0: We're going to go right to the Word. We have communion today and we'll save our joint worship towards the end of the service. you have your Bibles this morning, please turn to Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20 verse 11 is where we'll start. Last week we spoke of what many refer to as the millennium, but we refer to that as we are in the millenniums. As uh, right now is the time that Satan is being withheld from deceiving all the nations into the final battle against Jesus Christ. But there will be a day when he will be released that Satan will go and round up uh, via the Antichrist, all the nations in war, uh, deceive them to come together in war against Jesus. And that's going to be the final battle. Jesus will come back and he will come and strike them uh, with the word of his mouth. There will be fire from heaven that he will consume them and it will be done. It will be done. You know, we talk about today as being uh, 9-11. Last night we were talking about that with our kids, uh, trying to, uh, at their age, uh, appropriately talk to them about what happened that day, that there was evil men who killed people. They took forward an evil plan and and did that. And and I don't know about you, but there came a day later when there was uh, the mastermind of that, Osama bin Laden, he had been killed, and there was a relief in that, wasn't there? There was something about that that kind of said there's a little bit of closure there, and so we talked about what occurred on the day of 9 but then you get to a point where a mastermind of the evil was thwarted. He was defeated, and that's what we have here in our passage today that is at the end there has been a great evil that's been done ever since Satan fell from heaven and then entrapped humanity in evil with him, and we've been in rebellion against God, that today we come to that point where never again in even the scripture there is talk of Satan. That he is done, that he is defeated, and he is destroyed. And so I love our passage today because it talks about the finality of the great foe. And there's lots that's also entangled today that, that may be a little convicting, uh, but it's going to bring us to a, a great place. If you recognize that maybe you haven't been here and been able to be a part of our time in Revelation, you can find all these servants available on our website, or you can request a certain passage or a sermon uh, from the back. Uh, But you can definitely find these online and download them anytime you want up till this point. As we go into this chapter, let's pray uh, that God continues to lead our minds and our hearts in the Scripture. And so, Father, we come in this time, as we come here to the end of this book, and we have evidence that you will defeat. Satan, that you will take this great army that has been against you and that you will destroy them. Lord, it also demonstrates your mercy to us. And so, Lord, we pray that we would have our hearts and our minds and my lips on revealing the true gospel of what you have done and what you will do. We pray that you will grow us in our faith today. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So we've seen... Last week says that Satan, the beast, the false prophet, they were thrown in the lake of fire where they would be tormented day and night forever and ever. And then we get to verse 11. It says this. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it from his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. Here, a great white throne is set down. John says he sees it, and whatever he sees, he writes down. So he says, I see a great white throne, and the one who can sit there sits on it. We know from Scripture that this is God, but more specifically, we have in Scripture, and Jesus says it, Matthew chapter 5, it's talked about in 1 Corinthians, that the one who sits on that throne and judges, it is Jesus, that the Father will give him by appointment that opportunity to sit on that throne and judge everybody who's ever lived, that both the evil and the good, the 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 living and the dead, that they will all be resurrected at that point and Jesus will judge them. Now, I don't know about you, but when you've done something wrong and there needs to be clarity with the one who is judging you, you don't like as the one who's wrong to there not be anything between you and that person. When you recognize and you stand before the one who's looking at you, you try to find some place to hide. I mean, you just kind of find anything that you can get behind and, and there's not going to be any place to hide at this judgment point. There was a great white throne and the one who is just a judge will be sitting on that throne. It says that earth and sky and everything will flee away. There will be nothing to hide you under the gaze of the one who is holy and knows all that is just and unjust and he will judge. And so all of creation it fled, uh, flees away. We, we have read consistently how the sun moon and stars are gone uh, throughout scripture. It says, and in fact, in second Peter, I'll read real fast what this says concerning this second Peter, um, says in verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief and then the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth will And the works that are done on it will be exposed. Then later in verse 11, it says uh, that uh, the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. What this says throughout Scripture is that what we know of creation, both heavens and earth, that they will be done away. They'll be completely melted and burned by fire. They're done. God has a new earth and a new heaven. They'll be created. But the ones that are there complete. It. So it's just the judgment. It's just us standing before a judge, Amen. is what Scripture says. Back to Revelation chapter twenty goes on and says this, verse twelve: I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged by what was written in the books, according to what they had done, and the sea. Gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. So here before the great throne, here's the judge, and then you have a witness that comes and gives an account of those who stand before the judge. It says, books, plural, books. I don't think it's just books plural because there's so many people. There needs to be books. I think that if Jason Hudson was standing before Jesus, that there could be volumes written about Jason Hudson and all the deeds that I have done, not good deeds, evil deeds. The scripture says that from the time I came out of my mom until this day, which I stand before you and every day that I will live, that I'm a sinner and I'm constantly doing that, which is rebellious against God, unless the Spirit restrains me from doing those things. I have a huge testimony against me. Amen. All this rebellion. and We could go around the room and we could name off these things and people have talked about how maybe on that day there will be a large video screen. It will be shown for everybody to see all the wicked things that you and I have done every And I don't know if everybody else will be able to see him. It doesn't matter about everybody else. It matters that the judge who sits on that throne has books that are open that stand as a witness against you. That they say that you are unworthy to continue to live. That says that you have been so rebellious in your heart and then also by your actions that you are unholy and set apart from Jesus. And so on that great day of judgment, while the judge sits on the throne, the books are opened up and all they say is death, 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 death. That is what you deserve. And So on that day, that great judge, there will be nothing to hide you from his eyes. And nothing to keep you from having that account of your life being read back to him. That day you lied, that day you cheated, that day you had adultery, that day that, that you were just selfish. That day, that day, every day, everything Amen. it is mounted up against you. You have no chance. You hear that silence? That's you with no chance. What is there to save you on that day? Because on that day, you could stand there and you can have all read to Jesus, all these things that you have done wrong. And you might actually stand there on that day and try to be your own lawyer. Maybe you think your wife might stand up for you or your kids or maybe your employer, all these things. You might have medals and accolades and awards that you could come and say. You could say how many people like you on Facebook. You could say that you have done this or that. And you can stand there and try to bring out the books that say, yeah, but I've got this much good to my account too. And Jesus will say, it just takes one good deed to not be good enough. We use this illustration a lot, but if I had a cup of pure water right here, it just takes one drop of toilet water to make me want want to drink it. The scripture says it just takes one sin to make you set apart and unholy from God. So there will be no trying to equal out how much good you've done with how much bad you've done. It's just that we stand before Him on our own as wicked people and as a result of that wickedness, not having life and being separated from God and being destroyed. That is the scene that's on that day that everybody who's ever lived has that record against and there's nothing there in that moment but judgment. It is a judgment seat of Christ it says in Scripture. The silence of anything that could come and rescue you on this earth or in the heavens will be unbearable because there will be nothing in that moment that can speak for you except this. Verse 14, it goes on and says, Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So that's not good. Anybody who's judges being wrong, death and Hades and them are thrown into the lake of fire where it's eternal. Day and night, forever and ever, there is no rest, the scripture says. Chapter 14 and also in chapter here, twenty. But it says that if your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life. I love that part. I love that part because as I stand before a holy God, whether it's today or that day, I stand before him as one who should be completely guilty of sin and not having life with him. But it says that if any one of you or me have our name in that book of life, that we don't exit at that point. Praise be to God. We stand there not in shame and guilt and headed towards eternal death. It says that our name is then in a book of life, Amen. a book of rescue, a book of mercy. Amen. God gave demonstration of this moment, that judgment seat throughout the scripture. Rewind all the way in the Old Testament, thousands of years Before us, before Jesus, but he was giving evidence of this future day. The Israelites had this box that they would carry around with them in the wilderness while they were coming out of Egypt and on the way to the promised land. And then when they were in the promised land, they had a tabernacle or later on a temple that they built. And right in the center of that place, it was called the most holy place. And that box was put right there in the middle. This box was called the Ark of the Covenant or basically the Ark of the Relationship. Now, this box was really beautiful and ornate, and and it was supposed to be made just a certain way. And you couldn't touch it. If you touch it, you would die because of God's holiness. And there were certain things that went into the box. But I want to talk about the top of the box, the top of the ark. Because on the top, it it was a golden cover that was on the top. And on one side of the box, there was a cherub who had his wings outstretched like this. And on the other side, there was a a matching cherub that had his wings outstretched like this to join in the middle. And usually in that period of time, when you had a winged creature on this side and a winged creature on this side, they were flanking a throne. That was the picture that was being given. There's a there's a throne there. But God, who was invisible at that time, his image to be saved for Jesus becoming flesh. There was no image of him in the middle, but it was called a seat. And so it was known that that's where God's presence was among the Israelites. In fact, that Moses, he was allowed to come into that most holy place. And that's where he would talk in the presence with God. And so you have this Ark of the Covenant with this lid that's on the top. Two cherubs that are over there and it's demonstrating the throne, the judgment seat of Christ that we're talking about in Revelation. But what's beautiful about this is as it's talking about a covenant with God and his people, the name that's given in that place is not judgment seat, is not torture seat, is not, there is nothing that you can do about it seat, so you are just destined for flames. The name that's given to that place right in the middle of the cherubs is this, mercy seat. See, have mercy. You have a judge who will sit there on that day who has been by everything in your life and all throughout history been trying to tell you that he has and wants to have mercy on you. Amen. And so when we fast forward and look to this picture... In Revelation about that day when a throne will be set and Jesus will sit on it and you will be standing before him. And there's books that are open that could testify against you. There is one thing that keeps you from being plucked up and cast into hell and it's mercy. It's mercy. If there's one thing I want you to take away from this day, it's not fire. It's not hell. It's mercy. Fall in love with the mercy of God, because if it weren't for his mercy, you would have eternal apartness from him, eternal death. Amen. Right. Amen. But the scripture says. That God, knowing that you and I will be born wicked and every day of our life, we would do wickedness. By his love and his mercy. Took on flesh and blood like you and me. And though he had no sin, he was holy, he could be in the presence of God. He took your sin and your debt and your record and He pulled it onto Himself and He died in your place on that cross and shed His blood to cleanse you. So then that day when you stand before God, when you stand before Jesus, He will say, why should you be saved? And the only thing that should come out of your lips to break that silence of this is this. By the blood of Jesus and the mercy of God, I am saved. Don't think that in that moment you can say, and because I went to church. And because I grew up in a Christian family, in a Christian nation. And because I gave stuff to backpack buddies. And because people like me. There's going to be no and, and, and the only thing that allows you to stand on that day and have your name in the Lamb's book of life is mercy, 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 mercy. Mercy is astonishing. It should always be amazing to us. Because when we recognize that we're guilty and we stand before one who could just crush us, and they look at you and say, you're forgiven, I have mercy on you, and they look at you with love, it's amazing. Amazing. I talked to a woman once in... She said that she had caught her husband cheating. And it was obviously difficult. It was an immense infraction against not only God, but her. And so in the conversation, of course, her husband said, I'm sorry. So sorry. And she said, I forgive you. And she said, it wasn't until I was the one doing the forgiving and have mercy that I really understood God's mercy. Think about when someone's sinned against you. And you've had to say, I forgive you. Isn't that mercy towards them? Amen. Think about the people that you haven't been able to forget. You've been kind of holding on to all their books of deeds that you have against them. and You still have trouble. Think of mercy in that moment. Think of all that you've done against God. And now consider how good mercy is. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2 says this. But God being rich in mercy. Because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses made us alive together with Christ by grace. You have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. You see, his mercy is so great that on that day when he says, yeah, that's my mercy. You're not going to hell. He takes you into eternity with Him to live forever. And there's never going to be a day in eternity when Jesus stands before you and says, Oh yeah, I still have all this sin over you. He's not going to do that. You will live in freedom. You will live in love. And you will experience the mercy of Christ for forever. If you know Jesus today... Are you experiencing, or do you even understand that you're living in His mercy now? You ever wake up and you're like, man, I'm such a sinner. I'm so guilty. I've got to do more. I've got to do more to impress Jesus. I'll impress the pastor. Impress my wife. Impress Jesus. And the weight of trying to pay off grace and pay off mercy is just crushing you? Well, let me tell you the reason why. You can't pay off grace. Amen. You can't pay off mercy. It's a gift. It wouldn't be full grace and it wouldn't be full mercy if you had to earn part of it. And so with Jesus, it's all mercy. Amen. It's all, the only thing you have on that day is mercy. And so that should change the way you live. You live in freedom now. You live in His mercy now. Your name is written in that book of life. If that has happened in your life, then you live not to pay Him off. You live to thank Him. You live to thank Him. I'm going to share some lyrics from a song. The name of the song is from a band named Delirious. It's from a song named Hands of Kindness, but it talks about His hands of mercy in this moment. says this, Oh, your hands of mercy were scarred for me and your body was broken so that I'd go free. How I love you. All I have is you. King of love, I bow. His hands of mercy that were scarred for us, his body broken so that we could be set free, King of love. He is all that we have. So what should we do? Bow down. Your life, each and every moment, is a moment of submission. And that's how you thank Him back. You just say, Lord, I'm Yours. Whatever You want. Thanks be to God on that day. It will be a day of mercy as you stand before the mercy seat. He loves you so much. Satan, Antichrist, and all those who do not bow and surrender to His mercy... That's not only a bad day. That's a bad eternity. Let him save you. And then welcome to his mercy. Welcome to eternity. Bow to him today. and Bow to him every day. Tell him thank you. One of the ways we get to do that as a church is as we're going to close today, we're going to take communion. Communion is one of those things which sometimes is taught as well, I've got to do this or I'm not saved. That's not why Jesus gave us communion. Communion is this beautiful picture of something that was savagely done to Jesus. That is, by our sin and the actions of those people in the first century, the one who had never sinned and has always loved you, was severely beaten, stripped, mocked, spat on, carried a cross that you and I deserved up to that hill and then was Nailed to a tree with a crown of thorns on his head. Amen. His body shred and broken. And then he died. And suffered apartness from his father in that moment. Under, the, under that wrath of God so that you wouldn't have to. He was demonstrating mercy in that moment. The only thing that can pay for your sin. And so us taking communion doesn't pay for our sin us taking communion remembers that the payment's been done already. And as we take this, we remember that you and I, as a sinner, we were terrorists. We've terrorized God, and by our sin, we've terrorized other people. And broken relationships, caused grief. You may be suffering under the ramifications of somebody being a terrorist towards you, but that's what we are. Yet by the mercy of God, he says... I saved you, I loved you. So today as we come and we take communion, let it be the reminder of what Jesus did by His body being broken, His blood being shed to show you mercy. And then don't go live in guilt. If you have been saved by the blood of Jesus, go live your life like you're bowing down and surrendering. Go live and thank Him in love because you're not earning grace. You're just telling Him that you love Him.